So here's a story, Brad, that I don't think I've ever told you about Calgary Comic-Con. Yeah. All right. So this one. Now, uh, uh, it's a furry story, so uh, I want you to know, Brad, right up front. I have no, I have no business uh, or no problems with what what uh, suits people have sex with. So it's not that is <laughs> okay, not my criticism. Well, so far, the, uh, the 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 stammering disclaimer is is uh, really revving me up for this. <laughs> <laughs> stammering disclaimer. No, listen, everybody's an adult. We can all have sex in whatever wolf or horse outfit we want to have it. It's not a problem. But uh, so th- this this story just delighted me about Chris Straub, though. So Chris and I were tabling at Calgary Comic-Con and Calgary didn't have carpets down on their floor, yeah. on their uh, convention floor. And uh, there was a very nice furry that had come up for sketches uh, uh, the morning. And I forget what his name was. So let's just call him Bright Tail Moonstar or whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, so, but anyway, the problem was uh, he was a horse and he had actual horseshoes on his feet. And it was a cement floor. <laughs> so you'd be <laughs> sketching and signing and just off to your left, you would hear... <laughs> and, and then and then you'd be sketching later today or talking and then over on your right you'd hear oh my god and so no matter what you're doing all day long and eventually the guy came back up to talk to us again and it was kind of quiet at this point in the convention and we just hear it getting louder and louder <laughs> and Eventually, the guy walks up and Chris, to his just an amazing moment, just goes, no, 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 I'm out, no. It was amazing. Uh, it was, uh, I, just, I never loved Chris more than in that moment. Oh no, no, <laughs> turn around. No, we've had enough. No, it was amazing. Shall we warm it up? Yeah, let's let's make this thing happen. Alrighty, hi everybody, and welcome to Comic Lab, the show about making comics and making a living from comics. I'm Brad Geiger, editor of WebComics.com and cartoonist of Evil Inc. And I'm Dave Kellett, cartoonist of Drive and Sheldon, and co-director of Stripped. And this week's hour of comics advice is made possible by your support at Patreon.com/slash/ComicLab. And Dave, how you doing? I'm doing well, and I'll tell you why, Brad. We are up to 92 five-star ratings on iTunes towards Drunk Comic Lab. This is an exciting moment <laughs> We're for all of us. We're fewer than 10 away. We are fewer than 10 away. That's mere eight cartoonists that have to get up off the couch and put their PlayStation controller down <laughs> and walk over and click five stars <laughs> on iTunes. Going back to the well of Catholic guilt, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> one never leaves it, Bradley. One never leaves <laughs> no, it. No, one, one never does, does one. <laughs> <laughs> and in other good news, we're up to 126 patrons on uh, Patreon. So yeah. even though there are th- literally thousands of you listening, again, going back to the guilt, <laughs> even though there are thousands of you listening, we're up to 126, which is our highest point yet. So that's great. But anyway, I have to say 126 for two months of growth is not uh, two months of a show is not bad. That's yeah. It's, it, we're really overwhelmed by the support you guys are showing. It's 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 really tremendous and, and makes us feel really good. Uh, so thank you for that. I have to say, I was actually having a, a bit of a downer day yesterday, and I happened to look through the kind words, the reviews, and the reviews were unnecessary, unnecessary in the sense that we didn't ask for them, but people wrote really nice things on iTunes, and I just want you to know that that meant a lot to me in a down moment yesterday, so thank you to everyone who's written a nice review of the show. That's, yeah. That was very kind of everybody. That was super, super great. And I think, Brad, if I'm not mistaken, we have a $50 sponsor of the show today for Patreon. Am I right? Speaking of Patreon backers, yes, we This is a show that is sponsored by one of our Patreon backers. And here's what we want you to know about that. 
if you'd like to host your own webcomic without learning any new code, then you want the Grawlix Content Management System, currently running a crowdfund campaign on Kickstarter. And here's where you can go. He took our advice, Dave, and and set up a uh, domain to just forward for his Kickstarter campaign, which I think right. is really, really great. It's GrawlixCMSRevival.com. Now, Grawlix is spelled G-R-A-W-L-I-X. So it's GrawlixCMSRevival.com. What this is basically is it's if, if you don't want to do a WordPress site. Uh, this is a special content management system to replace WordPress, and it was built primarily for web comics. And it, it fell out of development. And uh, this, uh, this sponsor of the show wants to uh, get the money to get it back in operation again. So if you'd like to help make that happen, it's GrawlixCMSRevival.com. And he's part of the Comic Lab Patreon backers. So by all means, give that a look. That's great. And we'll be having that one at the close of the show as well. So, um, yes. But in fun news, we also, Brad, as you know, the, the $10 level allows folks to send in audio questions. Yes. And I have to say, this is one of my favorite parts of the show simply because it's fun to have questions, but it's even more fun to have it in people's voices because yeah. you get to hear the tonalities and the and the moods of their question. So without further ado, if it's all right with you, Brad, I would like to warm it up with the first question. Go right ahead. <laughs> you hit the wrong button, didn't you? I hit the wrong button intentionally. That's you got right. two buttons up there, Dave. I got two buttons. Like, I'm like a monkey with a button. Come on, hit the right button, monkey. Oh, no, the monkey has fingers. All right, here we go. Here's the question. Hey, Brad and Dave. It's K.R. Hinton again. So I wanted to get your gentleman's thoughts on the tall scrolling format for comics, like you see on Webtoons, for example, uh, where the creators actually formatted the comic to be you know, scrolled through. Do you think it's worth it for, say, a long-form dramatic comic to go ahead and have both a traditional comic page format and for that creator to also then build a, a scrolling format, you know, for when they update or when they have new chapters? Uh, Dave, do you want first crack at that one? I would. Uh, first thing I want to say is right now there is a 5th century monk going, the scroll is making a comeback, baby! <laughs> I just think it's hilarious that nothing, nothing new is, or nothing old is new again. Or what is what's that phrase? Oh my God! What a stroke moment! <laughs> Everything old is new again. To me, it is it is so funny that like wh- when did we go to the Codex book? It was like fourth, fifth, sixth century, something yeah. like that that was invented, and and the scroll lost all power or most of its power in, in uh, human culture. Uh, aside from you know uh, rabbinical Torahs, there's an occasional one that's still a scroll. Yeah, and the town crier, town crier always used a scroll. The hear ye, hear ye guy always had to have a scroll. That's right. And there's certain presentational things in Japan that still have scrolls. But for the most part, the scroll took it on the chin yeah. for about yeah. a, a, a thousand years there. So I'm, I'm delighted to see the scroll making come back. And I have to say, if we were doing this podcast eight years ago, 10 years ago, when advertising was king, I would have said, what are you doing with this scroll thing? This is ridiculous. Get it. Get, split those pages up. Right. Get those people clicking. And uh, but now that advertising is no longer king, and and frankly, now that a phone allows for such pleasant scroll reading, yes. or an iPad allows for such pleasant scroll reading, 
I am 100% behind this new scroll move that people are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds like such a grandpa. There's this new dance move that the kids <laughs> are doing. This new scroll uh, uh, move that people are doing. I sound like a, a local broadcaster. They're calling it the scroll. <laughs> and it could kill your children. Tune in at 11. Yeah. Kids are doing the scroll. Tune in at 11. <laughs> is your son so what, scrolling when you're not looking? <laughs> is your son scrolling? Oh, Roger, your son is scrolling. No son of mine is going to be scrolling. <laughs> My son is not a scroller. God damn it. Let me get this belt off. Hold on. <laughs> Roger, he's out scrolling in the garage. No, he's not. He's been out there stop, for stop, 25 stop. minutes for crying out loud. What's he doing? Scrolling? Holy I Lord. told you to mow the lawn. Have you been scrolling in the garage? God damn it. What's happening out there? My name is Clyde Jensen, and I'm a scroller. Oh, boy. Who knew we could have a two-minute run on scrolls? This is amazing. Uh, so, so, Brad, what are your thoughts on scrolls? Oh, I just want to underline the fact that what you said there, it's really important to understand. You said when advertising was king, and that's the key words there. You have to know the why behind you're doing stuff, right? Uh, and and the why we that webcomics was set up in what we call the traditional webcomics publishing format was because it was done that way to maximize advertising. It was all about the ads. And uh, now, like Dave very rightly pointed out, that's not the case anymore. So of course you want to present the best reading experience for your readers. And if that's a scroll, which it, by the way, I don't care if you're long form dramatic, long form humor, short form humor, short form dramatic, if that's such a thing. Of course, if that scroll works for you, if you think that that's a, a, the, the superior reading experience for your stuff, of course you're going to do that. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you what, I used to be very hardcore about your URL is your URL and you point all traffic to the URL. And that was, of course, because of ads as well. Now I say mirror that comic in as many different places as you're comfortable with keeping up with. In other words, don't do so many that you're spending uh, an inordinate amount of time uh, uploading stuff to five or six different sites. But the one that, that our question writer referenced, which is Webtoons, that's I'm, I'll tell you what, if I could get that reading experience on my site, I would do it in a heartbeat. That's, to me, everything about Webtoons is, I think, very close to the optimal best way of presenting a webcomic today. It's got bookmarking. It it, it remembers where you were when you come back. It's got the scrolling. It's got the, you know, with the chapters, you can scroll down. It's the best reading of webcomics format that I've seen anywhere, hands down. So when I submit my comic like to uh, award shows, I won't necessarily point them to Evil Inc. I'll point them to the mirror site on Webtoons because I know if somebody's going to be judging my comic for an award, they're going to be able to read everything they need to read very quickly, get the in a, a sense of what the comic is about. Uh, it's the superior reading format as far as I'm concerned. Well, so now let's also talk about potential drawbacks. One of the reasons why religious scholars and scholars went from the scroll to the codex book was you couldn't index and you couldn't mark a page. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you couldn't say, go to this spot. You'd have to go searching for it in a 10-meter long scroll. 
One potential problem if you have a long-form story, if readers want to talk to other readers or if you want to talk to your readers about a certain story point, you can't just say, wow, how about that explosion on page 22? You have to say, if you go roughly seven and a half scrolls down. <laughs> that's true. That's true. And and to be fair, that's the way most of the comics on Webtoons are presented. In other words, you get one update and you scroll down for forever if you want to. Now, the way I put Evil Ink on is that every update is one page and you can mm-hmm. scroll down, but every page has an entry point on their bookmarking system too. The one nice thing that Webtoons does that is kind of similar to Comixology or some of the ways the individual panel apps work is that you're not reading a full page, you're reading a full panel a lot of times, yeah. you know, not always, but a lot of times in, on Webtoons. And that makes for interesting reading because much like Comixology, your focus is put exactly where the cartoonist wants you to put it on. Like, don't be distracted by the overall page layout or the overall page look. Let's just focus in on this one panel. Yeah. There's something beneficial to that. But what are other potential drawbacks of just going to the scroll, Brad? I got to be honest. You, you, you caught me off guard with the one you came up with because I just got done saying it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. <laughs> and now you're well, it's good, terrible. It's good to anticipate like potential problems. Like, yeah. okay, no, so. You're, you're making an absolutely solid point. So, for example, let's say, let's say Brad is kickstarting, but he's doing that Webtoons scroll, right? Yeah. How do you let people know about your Kickstarter? I guess you just you update a certain length of scroll, but then there's still a page break. Is that what you would be saying? Let's let's backtrack a little so bit. So you're not making one huge continuous omnipresent scroll is, is what I'm getting no, at. No, right? it's not it's not what you're saying. Uh, in other words, you can do that, but like you generally what people do, what I've seen is like they'll update a chapter. And so the chapter might be 15 pages that you scroll down, but then they'll update another chapter and that's the new entry point. And that's maybe 15 pages. So if I were going to promote my new Kickstarter on the Webtoons mirror site, I would make one update that's just basically an advertisement or a comic that talks about the Kickstarter or something like that. So that becomes the new top entry point on the page when somebody comes and then update my next chapter when that's ready. Right. Okay. Yes, I do know what you're saying. I'm sorry. I'm I'm glancing over at Webtoons while I answer you. In other words, it's not just a continuous scroll, continuous scroll. It's a continuous scroll with multiple entry points. Right. It's like continuous scroll, breath, continuous scroll, breath in terms of page breaks. Yeah, I gotcha. Uh, So you still could, you still could have outward links. So for long form, I I think you and I would both say that if it's something you want to do and and you like it for the way your story is presented, I think both Brad and I would say, yeah, go for it. My curiosity now is piqued by this. Brad, could you make short form work on a scroll system? Oh, sure. I don't know that there is as much of a benefit as long form, but being able to just, especially with that quick dopamine hit of finding something funny, being able to scroll down is immense. Yeah. I Well, the reason why I say this is because I have found great joy uh, recently in uh, on Instagram posting comics panel by panel, which had you asked me 10 years ago if that would be a way I'd want to do it, I would have been like, no. Right. But I, I've really come to love it on Instagram. And so um, part of me is like, well, well, wait a minute, why don't I do a version of that on Sheldon, on my revised Sheldon site, which I haven't done yet, where on a very mobile-friendly platform, I scroll down panel by panel. That would actually be pretty pleasant. Yeah. And I would even say scrolling down strip after strip after strip. So like you'd be stacking maybe eight strips or or however many strips. And then the person just keeps reading. Boom, 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 boom. And that's particularly uh, important in a humor strip because obviously not everyone 
of your strips is going to be funny to that single reader. There's some things that are going to hit that person more funny than the next. So being able to follow that up with another one and another one and another one automatically increases your odds of that person having an overall feeling of a humorous reading experience. Whereas if you are counting on them to click and click and click, they've got to commit every time they make that click. Whereas scrolling down is much more free. And frankly, it's it's how they're trained now through social media to consume media. So it's going to feel more natural and it's going to give them that repeated hit every time that your humor connects with them. I would say it's an overall valuable experience. Yeah, I, I, I think I agree with you. Kate Beaton occasionally will do a theme, like say she's doing comics on, I don't know, Emperor Maximilian of Mexico, mm-hmm. right? So she'll do like seven or eight on him, but upload them all as a chunk. And it's exactly what you just said. And it works really well because by the beginning, A, I don't know that, I don't remember that much about Emperor Maximilian. And by the end, I remember more of what I learned and I've learned in the process. And I've also, out of the eight of them, I really enjoyed six of them. And so even though the first two might have lost me as a reader and I might've clicked away because there were eight to choose from, bang, 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 bang. I stuck around, I enjoyed the whole process and it felt more holistic as a a reading experience. So- I, uh, I would echo and put my, my uh, a signature on Brad's point there about, about possibly sharing uh, themed comics all at once, bang, 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 like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, before we go over to our $5 questions, I want to do a little house cleaning from last episode. First of all, you mentioned Kickstarters, and I saw that, Dave Kellett, you just crossed a big stretch goal on yours. Yeah, so it's um, we're, we're about to approach the third stretch goal for the Kickstarter. So um, I have to say, th- this one was a bit slower in the middle than a lot of mine have been, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that might be because I've been distracted with the, move, the house move, I don't know. But anyway, so it's going to end up at a nice, comfortable spot for it, for the book. And uh, I'm, I'm happy with where it, I, I would mention it's on newpugbook.com. So you can see where it ended up, I think, by the time this show airs. What's, what's funny, and you will appreciate this, Brad, but I do want to correct this. The other day, hmm. we were talking about something to do with Kickstarter. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm coming up on a half a million dollars on Kickstarter. <laughs> and I need to issue a big correction because I did the math and it's not even close. It's like 370,000. It's not even it's not even close to half a million <laughs> That's like, <laughs> that's like four teacher salaries away from a half a million. So. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, using my math, that's practically half. <laughs> well, it's funny, though, how in your mind, I, it's just, it's a very human nature moment. I want to oh, yeah. be humble about it. That in my mind, I was like, surely it must be nearing a half million. Nope, not even close. Yeah. It was 370, not even close. So now you mentioned that this is probably going to be closed by the time the show hits our readers, but. Are you using backer kit? I am not. Oh my god! I don't. We need to talk. Do we? Because I don't. Okay, so the Dude. one thing is, I I don't appreciate their hard sale with like the nineteen emails while you're kickstarting. I mean, I get it that that's their business model, yeah. but it always drives me nuts. Um, like, hey, emailing again, checking in. Uh, hey, it's uh, Susan uh, from Backer uh, Kit. Uh, now uh, it's Greg from Backer Kit. Hey, we noticed you hadn't responded. It's us over here at Backer Kit. Hey, it's Backer Kit again. And I'm like, go eat a dick. What are you doing? Get away from me. But the the thing is. Running the math numbers for me, it always feels like I'm going to pay a a backer kit two grand to make three grand. You know what I mean? Well, correct me if I'm wrong there. You're wrong there. Okay. I forget how much it costs to sign on with backer kit and I don't want to make up any numbers, but it it wasn't prohibitive. And then they take a little slice out of anything that you sell through backer kit, of course. But when my Kickstarter ended for the After Dark group of books last year. In the first 
two weeks after the Kickstarter closed, I gained an extra two thousand dollars. Okay, and then, but but do you remember how much? Like, I I I'm virtually certain that if you looked at the numbers, you owed backer kit somewhere between eight and thirteen hundred dollars, eight hundred and thirteen hundred dollars of that two thousand, right? I hate to start like clicking around because I'm already signed up, so I don't know what it costs anymore. <laughs> I like the. I, can I tell you though? I like the image of you like nervously clicking around, like like dabbing your forehead. Well, now, well, hold on. Let me look at these numbers. Hold, hold on. Click, click, click. Hold on. Hold on. I've got my calculator right here. I remember like I ran the numbers once and maybe this is just me. Maybe it's just I'm a fuddy-duddy about it. But it's like uh, I've already been bugging people for 30 days to do the Kickstarter. If, if they didn't want to do it then, then they can wait for the book to come out and get it from my store. I don't, I, to me, the, the value add of what BackerKit gives me for their costs involved never seemed that tremendous. I don't know. Okay, so here we go. The essential kit for BackerKit is the lowest one. It's a $200 setup fee, and they take 2% of your campaign funds, which was a little bit of a bite, and then 5%- Overall campaign funds, like your Kickstarter campaign funds? Oh, they can go take a walk. See, that's what I was talking about. I'm telling you. Fuck off. No. I'm telling you, I, 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 since, since I closed out that entire thing, I've made four, close to $4,000 through BackerKit. I'm, I'm going to do the math on this. What was the, what was the overall kick? I don't want to do this during the show. Never mind. We're going to figure this out. We're going to come back and do this later. Well, ma- yeah, because maybe you'll make a liar out of me. That, that Evil Link After Dark was... I, I asked twelve and I got twenty eight thousand. So you have you have tried to convince me of this. Corey Cassoni tried to convince me of this in Seattle once or Portland once. Uh, somebody else tried to convince me of backer kit. And I've, every time I run the numbers, I'm like, I feel like I'm paying them four so that I can make five. Yeah. is what it feels yeah. like. Yeah, maybe, um, maybe. I, and I don't know that. I, I guess what I what I'm getting at there is that emotionally, I didn't want to be a directing people. I don't want to get them used to going to backer kit for my stuff. I'd rather them go to my store for my stuff mm-hmm. where my margins are much larger. And then also just on an emotional level, I don't like making a thousand dollars by virtue of having given another company four. Yeah. you know, I, I don't know. Nope. I- so it's, uh, this is me at my grumpiest. Sorry. I'm, I realize I'm getting like a little <laughs> hot headed, but, but I don't like their model. I don't know what it is. And, and then coupled with that, no matter every, every time I kickstart, I get 40 emails from them like, Hey, it's, it's Steven over here at Packer Kid. Just checking in again. Hey, huh, now it's Greg. Steven's email didn't work. So we're trying just one more time. Bye. Hi, it's Susan also chiming in. Yeah, hi. Oh, my goodness. I just had noticed you hadn't signed up yet. Wanted to check in with you. And I'm like, take a hint. Um, I get it. This is your business model. You have to contact every Kickstarter to generate business. But God, go away. Anyway, um, so uh, th- that's another thing that uh, that always chaps my butt with Kickstarter is the amount of spam that you get. They've gotten better at that, it. That really upsets me. And they say they can't do anything about it. But you know that they could easily get on top of half that stuff. Yeah. And to their credit, I, I want to give some some credit. It has tamped down from how bad it was in previous years. But you still get five to six spam emails as soon as you sign up and launch. In that environment of charlatans trying to spam you, here comes BackerKit every time going, Hey, Dave! Oh, it's Roger from BackerKit. How you doing? Just dropping your 15th email. Oh, just checking hold in. On. And you're hold, like, God bless America. Hold on, hold on, hold on a minute. Okay. Because while you were doing your, your Greg run, I just did 28,000 times 0.02. That's 2%, right? Yeah. That's 560 yep. bucks. Okay. Plus my $200 buy-in. So now you've got right. 
eight, what, what is that? Five, five sixty plus uh, so two hundred right? is uh, seven sixty, right? Right. So I'm still under a thousand. And but then, then but then there's a percentage of each sale, right? Right. Okay, so you're over a thousand. So you you did what I said that you did. You paid a thousand to make a thousand. No, I'm, I paid a thousand to make three thousand. Oh, you made a pay. Okay, I, since, so you're since, saying you netted two thousand. Since I started, I'm up almost four thousand dollars. Okay, so you you paid a thousand to make three thousand then almost. Um, right. All right, that's better. I don't know. My, <laughs> you are I'm grumpy, grumpy today. about it. <laughs> I'm, I am grumpy. I don't want to. Uh, I, I don't know what it is. I don't like that business model. And it's also, it just feels disingenuous to the people that kickstarted because you're telling these people, these are the levels you have to back at these things. And this is what you get if you back at this level. And then you're like, after the 30 days, you're over, like, ah, forget about all that. You can buy whatever you want at whatever level. La, la, no, la, la, no, la. No, you're not. You know? I, 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 no. <laughs> you give them the reward and then you say, this is actually a benefit. Okay, let me, let me give you that on the flip side. All right. So you give them, you, you set up your rewards and let's say that you just launched a brand new Kickstarter today, like your friend and mine, Brad Geiger. And right. let's say that you happen to steal day. Wait, you just launched a Kickstarter today? Uh, exactly two hours ago. <laughs> oh, I didn't. Uh, well, I'm sorry. I, I literally just did the school drop off and turned on the microphone. So I haven't checked anything. I'm sorry. What is the URL for this Kickstarter? Tell no, the world. No, listen. Your URL is new pug book, right? And you had a good yeah. tip on Comic Lab about using a, a redirect. It will not surprise you to know that I copycatted you almost to the letter. Uh, my Kickstarter is newevilbook.com. That's that's great. And, I love it. And, and by the way, I also stole your idea nope. about opening it up to Patreon backers and putting some early bird specials in there that have like no shipping and stuff. And in the first hour, I cleared a thousand dollars already. That is great. See, I'm oh man, this is friends helping yes. friends, unlike backer kid. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, that's great. So, so wait for, for for the folks at home. So, newevilbook.com. Yes, and I would spell that newevilbook.com. Was that the URL? Is that's that the <laughs> evil? Evil using the traditional spelling of evil. But, yeah, not, but, so that's what the silent. There's no silent Q, right? Okay, right. so new that's evil. Right. No silent letters. Right. But now here's here's the flip side of the backer kit argument. So I've got a couple reward levels, and I've got nine Evil Ink books. This will be the tenth in the series, and I I would like to have a reward level that says take the new book plus two others that you don't have, take the new book plus three, take the new book plus five. I don't want to set up all those rewards, so I've got a couple of those to kind of prime the pump. But then in backer kit. What I say is, listen, you can have your reward. You're signed up for the reward. And if you want something that isn't shown in that reward list, you can add a little money on. It's credited to your account. And you can add the books that you want on an a la carte basis. It makes things so easy. Yeah. Okay. I, I okay. I can see that. Thank you for making that argument because yeah. I, I need to get off my high horse about this. So well, it's not a high horse. You you make a very good point. You it, there is a strong buy-in, and and just like comic conventions, I'm going to tell you, you should probably be very confident that you've accounted for enough money in this Kickstarter to cover all your costs and stuff like that before you right. consider doing a backer kit deal. But having said that. Um, this is something that makes my rewards so much easier and it's going to make it easier for me to hit my goal because if somebody does add on money, so they're pledging at $40 and they want one of the $20 books, they're going to stay at the $40 pledge level, but they're going to pledge $60. 
they get the books they want. They add on the ones that weren't involved in the reward level. I get 20 bucks that I wouldn't have gotten. Right. No, I get it. I get it. I, I mean, I'm, I see I, you've made it. You've made a good point that basically you shoot for simplicity and clarity in the Kickstarter itself. Yes. And then in backer kit, you can say, well, wait a minute. Why don't we add on a, a variety of any of these 15 different books you might like to add on one at a time, right? That kind of thing. So exactly. you can get, you can drill down and be more specific. Okay. Now I understand. I'm taking a breath. My, my cheeks are becoming less red. I'm, 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 Usually, I'm Dave, not... this is a this is a switch. Usually, it's me who's the grumpy old man. You, you... <laughs> something about I don't know something about their business model just chaps me the wrong way, and I don't know. What, I, I do know what it is, but it's I I shouldn't be so uppity about it. It's fine. I get why they do what they do. I get their pricing model because they have to price both for a big campaign and a small campaign. So yeah. I get why they do the 500 flat and then the two. I understand that. And then they also have the rate per unit. I get why they do that too. I like, I understand their business model. I just don't like it. I don't mean, I don't enjoy being priced three different ways yeah. for a single buy-in. You know, I, I think that's what it is. And they, if, I bet if I sat down over a beer with them, they would say, look, we get it from a consumer standpoint. It's not the best way to set up a system, but we have to do that because we have to account for a Kickstarter that made $4,000 and yeah. a Kickstarter that made $400,000. And the only way to price that is to price it using these three different models in one system. So I get it. I understand. I'm just grumpy. I'm just grumpy today, Brad. I don't know. <laughs> Although I am not a fan of spam and you know that I, I, I don't like the idea of them spamming repeatedly, but that Patreon on tour conference that I went to a couple weeks ago, they, they made a point that was really relevant. And I talked about this a little bit on surviving creativity. Uh, as a matter of fact, I talked about some neat things they've got coming up in their uh, merchandising fulfillment and a little bit of gossip. So listen to the most recent surviving creativity for some more information on that Patreon on tour. But what they were saying was, Somebody has to hear a call to action on average seven times before they make a move. So you're saying if someone wanted to go to newevilbook.com, they would have to hear newevilbook.com seven times yeah, before they well, went to newevilbook.com? For newevilbook.com, in order to get the great rewards that are valued there on newevilbook.com, we would need to say newevilbook.com like seven times this episode. That just seems like an excessive amount of times to say newevilbook.com for people to enjoy the value and good the good quality products at reasonable prices. They could find it <laughs> newevilbook.com. <laughs> I think that was seven right there, if not newevilbook.com. <laughs> we, just, we just go, and done, and then the, the and podcast see. turns off. Uh, no, yeah. but it, in, in other words, what they were saying there, it wasn't necessarily about sp spam email, but they, they've got a lot of creators that feel as if they are mentioning their Patreon too often on social media. It's like, oh, it's all I talk about. They don't realize that the people that are following on, on social media don't receive every one of those messages. It's not as repetitive to them as it is to you because you're the one typing all this stuff out. But they said, Absolutely. listen, somebody's got to hear this stuff seven times before they make a move. And I would say that I, I, I certainly don't try to defend Backer Kit's uh, email campaign, but I can understand it because they're, they're dealing with those same numbers. They got to hit you at least seven times before you can. Yeah. And they, I, I, again, you got to, this is where my, my Catholic guilt kicks back in and I go, all right, I understand. They're just trying to run their business and they're being nice people. And I'm, I was a, I was a meanie. Uh, so yes, I, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm mea culpa, mea culpa, <laughs> mea maxima culpa. I get it. Uh, anyway, I get that business model, and I, I understand it more too because uh, also to their credit, to to Backer Kids' credit. I hate myself right now at the 29 day point because I feel like I'm mentioning the pug Kickstarter all the time. Like you literally start to be like, I'm annoying. I hate myself at this point. Like I'm, I'm mentioning on all these different platforms. But to Brad's point, when the Kickstarter ends two days from now, I guarantee you for the next three weeks, I'll get emails that say, oh my gosh, I just found out about yep. the Kickstarter. Yep. How did I not hear about this? And and <laughs> I'm literally pulling my hair out because I was like, I was so annoying on every social media platform for 30 days. I, How did you not hear about can this? Can I give you something else? As a friend, and I and I, I will say this with abject honesty. Uh, sure. A week ago, it occurred to me uh, that the thought crossed my mind. I was scrolling through Twitter, and I thought, "Geez, Dave really isn't promoting his new Kickstarter very much, is he?" I literally had that thought, and and I follow what? you. I you know I I look. I, in fact, I react with you so often that when you do make a post, I'm more likely to see it because of Twitter and Facebook's algorithm. I actually had the thought that you weren't doing enough promotion because I hadn't seen it wow. as much. That's fascinating. Okay, so let's have an intervention moment. So what uh, I thought I've been say I've been mentioning it on Twitter twice a day. And on Instagram once a day, both in the Insta story and on Instagram. And then on my site, uh, every comic has had an embedded image underneath it about me, a, a cartoon version of me talking about the book. Yeah. That cartoon version of you has very good hair. Uh, you fuck off. I guess. <laughs> uh, 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 boy, I am grumpy oh today. God. I am grumpy. <laughs> You've been doing a lot of social media for this Kickstarter. I get it. But it doesn't yes. sound – in other words, as somebody who follows you on every account, I didn't see a, a sixth of that. So it was not – Okay. That is, good. that is good to know. Yeah. And it's good to, for anybody to know because everybody wants to do social media promotion and they, they and everybody feels repetitive and feels as if they're going to get called on it. And of course, you should try to make sure that your social media has the three C's, right? Content, commercial, and curation. In other words, you should have content. That's when you're saying something original. Oh, and by the way, if you're posting your entire comic so I can read it on Twitter or Facebook, that counts as content. That's not a commercial. Wait, so where'd you get this? Where'd you get this three C's? I like this content commercial. This is a drum I've been banging since a webcomics.com article I did on the topic maybe two years ago. And it was like, I'm trying to explain to people that there needs to be a good balance in their social media feed to address this very point. Because if you go to somebody's Twitter feed, for example, and all it is, is here's the new comic, here's the new comic, new comic today, you're not going to follow that Twitter feed necessarily because it's not very interesting. But if that's a part of a greater mix of here's a new comic and here's a thought I just had today and here's my Kickstarter and here's something that somebody else posted that I think you'd enjoy, which falls under curation. In other words, retweet and reshare. Uh, those three things make for a really healthy social media feed that people want to follow. And it's all three. It's it's content. That's where you're thinking of something original to say or post on, on social media, commercial, the stuff that you want to do because you get money or rewards for it, and curation, where you just share other people's stuff. 
And that's, they're all equally important. If you've got all three C's, you're doing social media right. And this is a good way to make sure that if you're doing those other two C's, you can do an awful lot of commercial and not be called on it or, or not look bad as a result. Hey, thank you for that. That that's really good advice. That whole thing. Well, so now let's let's continue this thought about that you were t- saying about my social media feed. How do I do? How do I measure up on your three C's measure? You do great. Do you I do okay. very good? I would say one thing I don't see you sharing as much as maybe I would expect. But in terms of balancing content and commercial, you do great. Wait, sharing is the one where someone else has tweeted something and I retweet it. Is that the idea? Yeah. 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 Well, the one thing with uh, and it's a it's a tricky balance because there's a lot of things that I would want to share, but with Sheldon, there's there are some kid readers and stuff, so I try yeah. to balance it out, you know. And you have to be very careful. In other words, I would never expect you to share an Evil Link After Dark Kickstarter because that's totally inappropriate. Was that the one for newevilbook.com? Was that the one you were mentioning? <laughs> no, that's not an After Dark book. That's a, that's a, that's a public facing book. <laughs> I just want to say newevilbook.com again. Uh, I, I appreciate that. Uh, so yeah, so it's 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 a but maybe I don't maybe I'm not giving enough. I Brad's telling me I'm not giving enough in bed. All right, that's fine. Oh, I get oh it. Oh my god, you are <laughs> No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that that's one way that you if here's what I'm saying. If you increase the amount of curation, you can also increase the amount of commercial without getting stung. Oh, I see. I Right see. now, you have a very good balance. You have a good balance between content and commercial. If you wanted to justify getting more commercial, you could add some curation and then it would all balance out. You could have more commercial and it wouldn't feel like more commercial. I see. So when when there's content and what was the one that was sharing? Uh, curation. Okay. So if I have those two, basically those are the two that balance out against commercial. So if I'm if I feel like I need to up my commercial during a Kickstarter or a Patreon drive or a new book sale, all I need to do is you're saying is since I have a limit on how many comics I can create, I just up the cre- curation amount. Is that is that what you're saying? That's right. Gotcha. That's okay. Right. That's great advice. And then, of course, content, like you had a really uh, clever one today. What did you tweet just this morning? It was very clever. Uh, boo, I don't even remember. Um, I, I genuinely don't remember. Let me look. Uh, oh, okay. But, but anyway, it doesn't only have to be a comic. It can just be a thought that you're sharing on Twitter. Anything that's like, hey, I stopped at the store and bought milk today. You know, those kind of tweets are technically content. Uh, yes. Sorry, I was looking at my Twitter. What a terrible, I I had no good points this morning. It was something about books or something. At the risk of derailing the show, uh, you do a very good job of not only posting the comic in there, but also posting things that are genuinely fun to read or funny or interesting. Right. Well, thank you. That's good. I think I I think you do. uh, Now that I think about it, and especially in light of your three three C's, which I think is a great way to look at it, um, you do a great job of curation and uh, a great balance of uh, a great balance between the three. Frankly, is what I was trying to get at there. Well, thank you, and and I think your hair is nice. Oh, but not as nice as the way I draw it. (laughs) What a monthly laugh! That was such a monthly laugh. We got to start answering questions. We're falling behind. We're 45 minutes Let's, in and we haven't gone to the first question, have we? Oh my God, this is this is a train wreck. Chunks of this. All right, so oh, so listen, let's let's do a question. Here's yes. one. It comes from one of our five dollar Patreon backers, and this gentleman writes: I have an all ages comic that has done better in print than on the web. 
I live on the wrong side of the planet. He's from Australia. And I want to go to an American convention to promote it. And I'm wondering if you could choose only one American convention, which one would it be? Considering every convention has a different audience, which is the best if you can only go to one Dave Kellett? Oh, this is this is tough because I don't think any of our answers will be what he or she wanted, is my spidey sense on this. So my advice is... Uh, let's try to work backwards. So I think he uh, he's, he said he's bigger in print than, or more successful in print than he is on web. He's from Australia and he wants to do an American show. So there's a couple hurdles that immediately come to mind. So he probably wants to sell print collections in the United States at a comics convention. That means that if he's indie or self-published, he will have to ship books from Australia to the United States. And there's right. there's very few trade routes that are more expensive than shipping 40, 50, 150 pounds, 200 pounds of books than from Australia to the US or the US to Australia. Incredibly expensive, mm-hmm. even if it's in your luggage. And regardless of which way you go, because of the trade packs between Australia and the US, I'm pretty sure you have to declare it in a way that you don't have to declare it sometimes with other border crossings like in the EU. So Australia, you're going to have to declare it on either on shipping or when you're bringing it in your luggage. So that's going to be a ding. You're going to have to carry a couple hundred pounds of stuff that 18, whatever, hour flight. And then when you get here, I don't know what the current dollar to dollar exchange is right now, but I can't imagine. I just, uh, my my immediate sense is, oh God, don't do this because it's going to be really expensive and you're not going to make any money in the US. But I understand wanting to break into what is ostensibly the largest English speaking market in the world. I understand that completely. But my immediate suggestion is A, don't do it, and B, angle to get invited as a guest if you're going to do it. Like figure out whatever show you want to do and figure out a way to get invited as a as a, a non-paying guest so that you can table for free to, to cross out some of your costs that you're going to get from a really expensive flight, really expensive yeah. book shipping, and really expensive hotel stay. Brad, what are your thoughts on it? Listen, take shipping out of it. Okay. Let's pretend that shipping books can be done with a magic wand so we can take shipping books out of it. If all he had to worry about was that flight from Australia and back and hotels and food and a convention table, he'd still lose money on the deal. And we both know it. That's an expensive flight. There's no way he's going to do that good where he's going to make a profit. So this is a really bad idea. Now... Let's not leave it there. Let's solve the underlying problem. He, he sees in Australia that his books are doing well in print. Maybe not so well on the web, but he, he sells really good. And his, he knows this. His experience comes from this because they sell at his convention appearances. So, of course, he makes the logical leap. Maybe I should do a convention in America. I say make the next logical leap that you don't necessarily need to do a convention because of the costs, but if you wanted to experiment with a print offering in the United States market, your next Kickstarter should be to print your next book or a small series of books at a printing plant in the United States, or if, if, if not the US, then Canada, where the shipping is going to be much less and find a, an outfit like maybe a Tapatico that would become your distributor. So you you do you you fund your Kickstarter, you have it printed over here in North America, you have it shipped not to your house but to a distributor 
in North America, and then they handle all of the North American sales. Of course, they're going to take a cut, but it's way less than I think you'd be facing shipping this stuff back and forth from Australia. Yeah. So I have additional thoughts. By the way, Brad's points were were very good. Another option that I could imagine someone doing from Australia or New Zealand or somewhere in Oceania is you could also have Amazon do a or not Amazon, but what is it? What's the difference with four color printing? What's the other one? The laser printing, right? The the quicker. Yeah, uh, yeah, the, my mind is digital digital printing. Thank digital. you. You could have because digital printing in the last five years has gotten very good. You could mm-hmm. do a hundred, two hundred copies digitally have them ship to a reader that's in the town where that convention is, and then you don't have to pay for shipping, and you have a pretty good quality book to sell at the show. So that's one option you could do, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I want to step back for one second and talk to you about the potential to grow your readership, because maybe, Brad and I have it wrong, and maybe your readership is exhibiting on your servers that they're 95% from America and 5% from Australia, in which case you're like, I got to get to America, and and I can see that happening. I could, you know, I, we've... We've had similar stories with other cartoonists where it's like, my audience is in America. I've got to get to America. So I understand this on the idea that that might be happening. Another possibility you need to consider is that this has become a prestige move for you that is not necessarily a business move for you. And what I mean by that is that somehow in your mind, this has become like Big Bird going to New York to break into public television or the Muppets going to Los Angeles to break into movies, is that it might not be the smart move for you. It's just an emotional move for you. You're like, I want to go to New York. I want to say I went to America and sold my comics in America. And I, I understand that because for me, there is, even though I know financially it's a disaster, New York Comic Con still holds that appeal to me. It's like, I'm going to go to the Big Apple and sell my comics and look at me. <laughs> Skip, skippity-doo. I'm making a career out of this. But every time I've done New York. <laughs> skippity-doo. What? what? Skippity-doo. I, I was trying to be like a, an Iowa farm boy going to New York. I'm going to make it in the big city, Pa. Come on. Yeah. Skippity-doo. Yeah. If you jump into a New York City cab and say skippity-doo, they're going to take you the long yeah, way. Yeah, you're, you're, you're not going to get the most efficient route on that cab, Brad. Hey, I'd like to get down to the to the comic convention, please. Wait, why are we going via the Bronx? Um, so, uh, so for me, though, New York on paper, what a what a disaster that show is for me, just financially. It's it's really expensive to fly from L.A. It's expensive to hotel in in New York. I have to pay a bunch of union fees to get the books physically into the building, unless I do some subterfuge. Yes. So it's just an expensive show to table at. So even though there's a bright lights, big city aspect to going to New York, and I'm going to sell my books, and oh boy, look at me! Uh, I've had I've had to learn that that's an emotional decision and a prestige decision, and not a business decision, and so. I don't exhibit there anymore. And a part a part of me wants to to really know more about this because as a friend, I feel like uh, this might be a prestige decision for you and not an, a business decision. But I may be wrong. So let's assume for one second, Brad, let's, let's try to answer his question. Let's assume yeah. that he does have a 95% American audience and they're dying to buy his books, but the shipping is really expensive to ship them individually. So they haven't been buying them. So he wants to go to a comics convention to sell them to his American audience. He's going to do digital printing, so he'll print them here or not instead of shipping them. Uh, might be a good option for him. He gets here. What show should he do? Should he do Emerald City? Should he do San Diego? Should he do New York? Should he do TCAF? Should he do, uh, I don't know. What, what other ones would you say? Well, so let's, and let's, let's drill down just one more item d- deeper. He does an all ages comic strip. And, and I know his comics, so it's about a, a little girl. Okay. Right? 
And it's it's kind of an all ages slice of life type of thing. It's not a cape comic. It's not. It's certainly not action adventure. So it, so the, here's the deal. Like the the two obvious ones. Let's 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 do the process of elimination. The two obvious ones are San Diego and uh, New York City because of the size of the audience. I, my reading is that that's going to be a big audience, but there's going to be very few of them interested in an all ages comic. So that's going to, I'm going to eliminate them right off the bat. Now let's go to the, to the smaller comic conventions that are still real solid shows. Now you've got Emerald City, uh, Heroes Con, Baltimore, and TCAF. Man, I, I, and I just don't know. See now here, all of those are solid shows, right? Which one would I suggest that he goes to? Well, you're going to have a smaller pond. And so you're going to have a smaller overall take, but which one is going to give him the biggest percentage of that smaller pond? Uh, Right now I would be going back and forth between Seattle and Baltimore. Okay. Yeah. So I, I would, Although, have you done, have you done, I'm sorry to interrupt, but have you done TCAF recently? Uh, no, T, last TCAF was two or three years ago. It's an expensive show for me to do, to get the books into Canada and then to, it's just, it's not. But would it be any more expensive for him than it would be for, it, it would it be any more expensive for him than doing a show in the States? Yes, in the sense that it's a longer flight to Toronto than it is to, mm-hmm. like, so my thought was, his, coming from Australia, nearest landing points in the United States are either going to be in Hawaii, San Diego, or Los Angeles, right? So those will probably be the cheapest flights, I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah. uh, San Diego Comic-Con, he's not going to get in, and it's going to be too expensive anyway. But I have to say that San Diego Comic-Con as a family has another con called WonderCon, and it's actually taking place this weekend. Oh, by the way, I'm going to be at WonderCon. <laughs> I should have mentioned that. <laughs> Are you really? Yeah, I'm going to be at WonderCon. Wait a minute. I thought you were only doing two shows this year. Well, what happened? Cole, this is a benefit that you might want. I should have talked about this. So the, Nas- <laughs> the National Cartoonist Society, of which I am a member and of which I'm trying to rope Brad into being a member, even though he didn't want to do it. Um, uh, now, the National Cartoonist Society now offers free boothing at like f- 10 different conventions around the uh, country. So New York Comic Con, San Diego Comic Con, WonderCon. I think they're going to have Emerald City. They're going to have TCAF. They're going to have that one in Chicago called C2E2. Is that it? C, C, yep, C2E2. C2E2 and then one other wizard show. So maybe that's not 10. Maybe that's like six or seven. But anyway, so I, I have free tabling at, at WonderCon and it's down the road in Anaheim. So I'm just going to go down this weekend and, and sell. And um, But now, wait a minute. Is it free tabling like you know, like Keen Spot used to give us free tabling where you get to sit at the at a, at a place at the table for a certain number of hours and then you got to rotate out? It's free tabling in the sense that, yeah, well, it can be if it's busy. In this case, not a lot of people signed up for the booth, so I think I have a free booth the whole weekend. But but yes, ostensibly, if if twenty people had signed up, uh, I might not have the whole convention. So, f- but it's only good. That's why they're doing so many of them. So the NCS, yeah. they're going to have like if you're a Philly person, if you, like a, if Brad is, and you're the, the show is in Philly, and the NCS has a free twenty by twenty booth or island rather, Brad could have five feet of space or eight feet of space all to himself for the whole weekend or perhaps just a, a section of the weekend. But yes, that's, that is a, a possibility. And without sounding like a grumpy old man, I do, I do want to point out this. The, the reason that I, I had a membership and then let it lapse 
was because I didn't feel I got anything for my membership, yes. right? And that's always been- And a totally fair, fair critique, by the way. A totally fair critique. Yeah. But the fact that they're doing this, you've got to give them a point for that. They're doing something to make that membership more valuable. So I, I actually kind of applaud that. The fact that they're doing that this year is is really something special. I think that's- Well, there, for as you know well from being my friend, there was about 10 years there where I was kind of screaming into the void about it. They're like, listen, you have to change how you do things because- not everybody has Mort Walker $50 million money anymore, you know? Right. And so so this is one of the positive changes. Another one is to offset the cost of Ruben Weekend by having a signing and selling event at each Ruben Weekend now. So yes. when you go, if it costs you $1,000 to go to the weekend, you know, flight and everything, then you make 1500 at the signing and selling event. And so, you know what? It's a nice vacation. You get to meet and talk to all your peers and heroes and you made 500 bucks. Great. That's great. And now they never would have done that back in the day of Charles Schultz, but they do it now because there's less people making Charles Schultz money, you know, and more people making right, our kind right. of uh, income. Anyway, to back to the question. So WonderCon, I wanted to just say, it has it has been a little bit changeable in the, over the last couple of years because it was in San Francisco and then it was in Anaheim and then back in San Francisco, back in Anaheim again. I, from everything I can tell, it's now permanently an Anaheim show, which is in Los Angeles. Uh, it's where Disneyland is. And it's become a really big show and really good now. And it uh, it's a three-day show. And it probably feels, Brad, like San Diego did when we first started going, like 1999 to like 2004. Very comics focused, um, very small. The big media companies, surprisingly for being Los Angeles, aren't there. It has a good feel. So I might recommend that along with Brad's recommendation of Seattle because you'll have a cheapish flight from Australia yep. and uh, yep. and it should work. So WonderCon or Emerald City would be the the two that that if you had to go, gun to your head, that's, that's the ones that you'd suggest. But again, oh boy, really think about it and really crunch the numbers for what, for what you're thinking of doing because I just, I have a fear in my heart that you're going to fly, be flying home going, oh boy, that was expensive. Oh boy. Oh. <laughs> well, I made a very big <laughs> Mistake. Back up, back up, back up. I made a really bad mistake. Oh, my choices. <laughs> well, listen, you mentioned one last thing as as we bring that one to a close. You mentioned the Rubin Award weekend. I did want to mention this. We spent a lot of time last show talking about awards. And then after the show went up, the Ringo Awards opened nominations. And I realized that we hadn't mentioned them. And they're kind of, I, they've got a warm spot in my heart because when Reed Expo bought the Harvey Awards a couple of years ago, they didn't seem to do anything with the Harveys. The Harveys kind of disappeared. Last year, they had like a Lifetime Achievement Award or something at the New York Comic Con, but it wasn't, wasn't the old Harveys. And I, I always liked the Harveys. I attended the Harveys several times in different capacities because I was always at the Baltimore show. And I genuinely like them. I think the Ringos seem to be run by the same people or at least have the same kind of sensibility. But if you want to nominate comics for the Ringo Awards, go to RingoAwards.com and then they're going to be uh, handed out at the Baltimore Comic Convention this So ostensibly then that will be the new Harveys, is that right? That's kind of replacing the Harveys. Now see, Reed Expo says that they're bringing the Harveys back, but... Uh, you know, their show is in, in the fall. The New York show is in the fall as well. And uh, they have not made an announcement yet. And I, I had gotten some off-the-record information when I reached out to them through their Facebook page. And I said, can I share this information? And they said, no. 
And I said, that's fine. I'll, I'll dummy up because I want to know where the award stood. And I still don't know. In other words, when I say that, I think it's disappeared. That's not based on that off to the record conversation. We talked about something different. But I went back to that Facebook page and reached out a second time and they've disconnected their messaging since uh-huh. then. So <laughs> now that, when I see that, then I think mm, maybe, maybe they're going dark. That sounds like, that. yeah, that sounds Although like my, uh, my high school dating that. career now is what that sounds like. Just, <laughs> just ghosting Dave Kellett. I get it. All right, Susan, we're done. Um, Ghosting Dave Kellett would be a good movie. <laughs> ghosting Dave Kellett. There was about five or six years there where there was a lot of ghosting of Dave Kellett, but that's all right. <laughs> well, listen, Dave, I feel sorry about the ghosts and all, but I do have to tell you that you've been listening to Comic Lab, the show about making comics and making a living through comics. Oh, well, then in that case, your hosts have been the always avuncular Brad Geiger, the editor of webcomics.com and the cartoonist of Evil Inc., at evil-comic.com and the Kickstarter newevilbook.com <laughs> Thank you. And the huffable, lovable, squeezable Dave Kellett, co-director of Strip and cartoonist of Sheldon at sheldoncomics.com and Drive at drivecomic.com And, uh, well, you may be too late for a new pug book, but maybe if I talk him in the back kit, we, uh, we'll have a <laughs> URL <laughs> to talk about later. Well, and the Comic Lab theme song is used with permission from our good friend Andy Creighton at theworldrecord.net. Comic Lab is made possible by your support at patreon.com slash comic lab. So we'll go ahead and say that twice. Patreon.com slash comic lab. And this week's $50 sponsor, Brad, will be mentioning one more time. If you'd like to host your own webcomic without needing to learn any code, then you want the Grawlix Content Management System. That's Grawlix, G-R-A-W-L-I-X. It's currently being crowdfunded on Kickstarter. Go to GrawlixCMSRevival.com. 